When Mandy was growing up, she learned that you can tell a lot about somebody from their taste in music. April 11th, 2001. Okay, Jess is the most bitchiest person ever. Like, just because I like rap and she likes Christian songs <laughs> makes me a bad influence on other people? Whatever. That's Mandy reading from the diary she kept as a teenage music fan. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? It is very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Vancouver, we have a James Bond-inspired spy story, a celebrity crush on Michael J. Fox, a talking Subaru legacy, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and like your friend's taste in music, you might not agree with all of it. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. A minute ago, we heard from Mandy. She liked rap, her friend liked Christian, but music, it wasn't the only thing that she wrote about in her diary. Mandy also shared a few more entries about puberty, angst, and firsts. All right, June 1st, 1999. This is my first writing in this diary, so let's make it a good one. Mandy, what should I write about? Ah, I know the thing everybody is talking about, boys. To start off, Kayla is the one who told me about them. Well, Kayla, they are nothing but a pain in the butt. All they talk about is someone named Steve Austin. Nintendo 64 and beating up girls. All of us think that boys do that except for our love. I don't know why they call them crushes, you know, because it kind of sounds like you're dumping them. Anyway, my first crush ever was on Mike but I dumped him. I just better not tell Andrew that I already dumped someone because he will act like I'm some sort of chipmunk. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Is it good or cool to dump people? Kayla, is it good or bad? Hello, Mandy. It's not like she can hear you through the book or something. I should have kept Mike. He's rich. August 22nd, 1999. My mom must think that I'm going to get my period soon because she keeps getting me books and stuff about growing up. But because I am psychic, I know I'm going to get my first period in May of 2000. So calm down, mom. That was off by like many years, by the way. May 12th, 2001. Dear Diary, I love MSN. (laughs) Because, I don't know, I just feel so mature, I guess. (laughs) But I just want to go places and do stuff, you know? (sighs) January 3rd, 2002, 10 things I love about Matt. And by the way, I don't remember who this is. I don't know who Matt is. Number 10, uh, he's hot. 
Number nine, how he talks while in the process of being class president. Number eight, how he always pushes me when we're in the hall. Number seven, how he smiles. Number six, his voice. Number five, his humor. Number four, his politeness. Number three, how his picture seems to stick in my mind all of the time. Two, how he walks. And finally, number one, how he's such a nice guy who cares about everyone. Notice how I rated him? Looks last, temperament first. That's how he should judge girls, G-U-R-L-S. If he did, maybe I'd be a first in his mind. Yeah, right. May 23rd, 2003. Mandy's big breakthrough, I've been kissed, and I mean kissed. On Friday, Sasha, Glenn, Aaron, and I were at Aaron's for a new tradition of bonfires. With Aaron being my best friend and all, I sat on his lap, casually. <laughs> but as time passed, I realized something. I realized that we were more than just friends. At one point, our eyes met, and I knew. I knew he was for me. At the end of the night, I began to leave. Something turned me around, and I knew what was about to happen. As frightened as I was, I did it. I didn't let Tom, because he wasn't the one. <laughs> He wasn't the one who actually loved me. We were just going out for the sake of going out. Until tonight and still now, all I can think about was Aaron and how he was different. I called Aaron tonight, expecting it to be a normal phone call. It was, you know, the traditional what's up and how you doing. Then as per usual, we, we talked a little more about serious things such as the stars and darkness and our opinions of them. <laughs> I can't remember exactly how it began, but he started spilling his heart out. He said the first time he noticed me, we were in class on the third day, and we sat across from each other at the computers. He looked at me and supposedly how beautiful I was. <laughs> when he looked up at me, he was still staring at the computer. Then he told me that he stared at me for the longest time. At this point, Aaron is crying a lot. He's going to ask me out the day after Tommy asked me out, and he called me beautiful like Tyler. I would have never imagined that he actually watches sunrises and sunsets or studied the stars or most of all loved me. He must have cried for about two hours straight before having to leave. Never before have I felt so honored, cared about, or loved. And just to clarify things, when I'm with him, I'm not just another girl, I'm the girl. Thank you. <laughs> Andy, ladies and gentlemen, nicely done. Matt, if you're out there, get in touch. Maybe stop pushing girls. Our next reader, Jesse, shared a medley of journal entries they wrote as a preteen growing up in Winnipeg. These are entries all about love, peer pressure, and the Spice Girls. Now, a quick heads up, Jesse uses a few cuss words in their journal, which we do not bleep. There's your heads up. Here's Jesse. June 11th, Monday. Hi, I'm back. This is so cool. But first, I had a major crush on Aaron. Now I'm dating Jesse. But he, like, hates me now. And my best friend's name is Sula. She is so nice. I'm in grade six, and my teacher, Sid, is really nice. Me, Jesse, Zoe, and Emma are cool, and Mike's a really big jerk. <laughs> Lauren has a boyfriend, Kyle. He's a total druggie, and he said he's going to smoke me up. 
Sula is pretty and is a really good friend. Top 10 reasons Winnipeg sucks. One, winter and snow. Two, summer. Three, mosquitoes. Four, cars. Five, dead animals. Six, government. Seven, laws. Eight, education. Nine, potholes. And ten, construction. June 18th, Thursday. I'm 12 now, and I've gotten a few babysitting jobs. The last page was totally true. I told Jesse and Sula I was going to smoke pot, and they don't think it's a good idea. Usually there's peer pressure to do pot, but now there's some not to do it. (laughs) I've decided I won't. It will probably screw me up in grade seven. I'm going to River Heights. Ashley, my other friend, is going there too. Her boyfriend, Eric, has kissed her, but now they might break up. It's sort of like a TV show. I really miss Laura Secord, but only in a way. I won't miss lunch program, Miss M, Miss H, devil lady, and most of all, Miss M again. The Spice Girls sort of broke up. Ginger Spice left. You know, they were pretty good. My favorite was scary, though. I actually think it's a publicity stunt to get more attention. Here are all their names. Mel C, sporty. Mel B, scary, the best. Jerry, ginger, Emma, baby, and Victoria, posh. They have some pretty kick-ass songs like Superstar and Stop. (laughs) Wanna be, mama, next. To become one and many others. I also like Prodigy, Blur, <laughs> Silver Chair, Our Lady Peace, I Mother Earth, even though the lead singer left, Smashing Pumpkins, Brand Van 3000, Puff Daddy, Busta Rhymes, Beck, and Oh Man, I could name a lot more. There are so many cute actors, like Leo and Ethan Embry and Casper Van Dam, <laughs> Ryan Philippe and Matt Damon, and lots more. But I have to go, because it's 10.30. This is Jesse signing off. Good night. P.S. South Park is so funny. October 17th. To anyone in the screwed-up fucking world that cares, my mom's a bitch and my dad kicks ass. Sorry, mom and dad. Well, grade seven is weird. It's pretty neat, though. I have some really weird teachers. One's name is Mr. B. He's really scary, but so boring. All he does is flap those lips of his, and when they get going, you can't stop him. And if you do, the bomb explodes. I was reading the last entry I did, which was before summer break, which went by so fast. I was talking about Jesse and me, and, well, we broke up, as I mentioned. But then I heard from Jess Evans that the little snothead had asked Kelly, a really good friend, out, even when we were still going out. What a fucking ass-picking, cheating snothead. I hate him so much. P.S. This is my new hate list. 
I hate Marley, Jesse P, Robbie, all politicians, and Carrie. I love Seth Green, Ethan E, Puff Daddy, Dennis Rodman, Joshua Jackson, James Vanderbeek, Casper Van Dam, Ryan P, Paul W, and Dan G. My role model is Brady and Katie Holmes, Scary Spice and Mulan, and those girls from Hanson. Ha ha. Thank you. When Zahida was 10 and 11, she kept a diary. And at our Vancouver show, she shared a few entries. These were private, personal diary entries that she wrote just for herself. And they have to do with a bunch of different topics, including her grandmother and war. Please welcome Zahida to our stage. May 24th, 2002, 10.19 a.m. Dear Diary, today I turned 10, double digits, and I didn't get any presents except in underwear. This is the worst ever in my life birthday. Nobody cares. December 1st, 2002, Dear Diary, on Saturday I sang a song in my mosque. I made a deep breath in the middle of a sentence on the microphone. Everybody noticed. I was so embarrassed. Shalina, my aunt, called. She understands everything. You can tell her anything. She called, and she thought my song was great. Well, she also said it would be great if I could sleep over soon. I want to. Christmas is coming, and here's a a list of some stuff I want. Number one, electronic toothbrush. (laughs) Number two, pants that say dance on the butt. Number three, a bead curtain. In the world right now, there is so much war. Every news station, it's mainly in the Middle East and the U.S., so I'm lucky to be in Canada. We are going to put the Xmas tree up soon. Well, I think it's time I go to sleep. Good night. (laughs) Dear Diary, war. War is what's happening in this world. Why can't we use words, not weapons? I wish for everlasting peace. There might be an attack on Canada. I might die. My relatives, my friends, my teachers, poor people might die. We all live and die, but I was really hoping it wouldn't happen this way. (laughs) Dear Diary, I fainted. I fainted at school. It was so bad. I fell off my chair while we were watching the grade five family life movie (laughs) about growing up and changing and all that yucky stuff. (laughs) Well, I guess I wasn't ready for it. I had to leave class and go home for the rest of the day. Some of my friends cried. (laughs) Still 10 years old. Dear Diary, I don't think I've started the year right. Nothing seems happy to me anymore. What should I do? Dear Diary, I haven't wrote in a long time because my grandma is in the intensive care unit in the hospital. I've cried so much in the past month. The family gatherings wouldn't be the same without her. Dear Diary, right now I am at the hospital. My grandmom's dying. I was crying so much. All I have left now are memories. I've known her my whole life. 
She taught me how to play cards when I was four years old. I can't stop crying. She always said I was her favorite granddaughter. I put her hand on my hand and I told her I love her a lot. There are 5,000 many people here, all my aunts and uncles from all over the world. So her funeral's on Saturday and my last memory of her will be the funeral car carrying her away. As I write, I am sitting alone in the hospital cafeteria by the window. The sun is shining on me, but I better go. Wish me luck. 2003. Dear diary, I still miss my grandma a lot, but sooner or later, I would be better. Anyways, on Tuesday, I will be going back to school with new erasers, pencils, shoes, binders, and clothes. The only thing I need is a best friend, and that's all. I have friends, but they're not my best friends like Megan was. I wish she never moved. Anyways, next year, I have to go to dances at my school. I can't believe how quick it has come. I can still remember walking into grade one five years ago. <laughs> so at these dances, boys and girls have to dance together. Yeah, that will be weird. <laughs> March 2003. Dear diary, guess what? I wrote a letter to the president telling him I didn't want a war on Iraq. I told him that I know it's very hard being president, but millions of people could die if he didn't listen. I hope he reads it. I think he will. Thank you. Kids love stories. I know I did. Some of my earliest memories are of me and my dad going to the library and checking out books and then coming home where I would sit on his lap and listen to him read to me. But some kids don't just want to hear stories. They want to write stories of their own. And that's what our next two readers have in common. First up, Jeff. When Jeff was 12, he was a big fan of of spy fiction, stories like James Bond. But he didn't just read spy stories. Jeff decided to write a couple of his own. And at our Vancouver show, we heard one of Jeff's original compositions. I asked Jeff, does your story have a title? He said, yes, it does. The title is, In This Business, It's Think First, Shoot Later. Please welcome Jeff to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. The beginning. Hi, I'm Carl Carlston, a famous detective. I started as a KGB, but decided to work for a secret spy operation in Canada. But it isn't secret anymore, now that I've told you. I've got blue eyes, brown hair, and I'm very wealthy. I'm in my 20s and walk around on an artificial leg, which has a built-in gun. This is my right leg. I was previously married until my divorce to a Brooke... Brooke, Brooke Shields yesterday. It started with a series of calls that centered around a warning for tomorrow's breakfast will have a surprise. I never believed threat calls because they never come true. They were traced to a 10620 Gaunt Court in Richmond, BC. That's where I lived. 
My voice analyzer figured out that the voice was from a Jeffrey Shillard. That's me. 12, blue-eyed, brown hair, like me. All this information came from a computer. He's been wanted for two murders in Seattle. He also made an attempt to assassinate Ronald Reagan and the last four presidents. <laughs> Today, January 23rd, 1986, I spent the day with my boss, Chloe Tana, brown-eyed, blonde-haired, a bombshell. KGB fired her for failing on one of the most important missions ever. She started this spy organization to get adventure. When I was called up by her, she asked for a lifetime contract. That is, it was for me. When she hired me, she decided on no one else. Hi, Chloe. What's on the agenda today? I curiously asked. Why, nothing at the moment. Bzzz. The phone linked up to a private line at the prime minister's home buzzed. <laughs> Chloe grabbed it urgently. Yes, Brian, what is it? <laughs> Chloe asked this with a sense of adventure. It's Jeff Shillard. He's at it again. He just killed my maid last night. I've got to get this guy behind bars, Chloe. Do you think Carl and you can handle it? Of course, but this is going to be a little squishy. He's a hard safe to crack, Chloe exclaimed. Good luck to you, too. Bye. Bye, Chloe hung up and explained everything. Then she burst out, let's get to work. We drove off in a red Camaro, which had little gadgets like James Bond has. When we reached the house of Jeff Shillard, we went to the door and broke it down. Ohayo gozaimasu, a Japanese lady answered. Where could Jeff be? We apologized for the interruption and left. This was very mysterious. The day came to an end very fast, and I dropped Chloe back at headquarters, and then I headed for home. My home is a motor home. Pretty cheap, but luxurious. I hopped into bed thinking of Jeff, hoping that I won't be the next murdered. Next chapter, Cheerios of Doom. The sun came shining through my window. This morning, I thought I'd have Cheerios for breakfast. When I opened the box, two hands were in there. I put on leather gloves and took them out. The Cheerios were gruesomely red. A whole half a box, wasted. <laughs> on the middle finger of a hand was a ring with an insignia on the back. It said, for 10 years of good cleaning, Brian Mulrooney. These were the hands of the maid. I called Chloe and told her the details. This must have been the threat from Jeff. Then a gunshot sounded and I was hit in the back. Then three more shots hit my back. I fell face first and... Story resumed by Chloe. I was tragical when I got there. The blood made me sick, but the evidence was clear. Jeff did it. All day I searched for information on where Jeff could strike next or go next. Jeff's office was cleared out. Everything but the files he kept were sold. Thank you. <laughs> Jeff wasn't the only one at our Vancouver show to bring along some of his own original fiction. Our next reader, Omar, brought some of his earliest work, written when he was just four years old. This is a short piece, and it's called Danny and the Dragons. And uh, so, yeah, now I'm going to read Danny and the Dragons. Um, Danny's my brother. And the other characters are stuffed animals. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Danny. His car was a Subaru Legacy. <laughs> it 
Take me on an adventure, Danny said to the Subaru Legacy. <laughs> the Subaru Legacy said, I know, I can take you to some caves I know. But Danny said, aren't caves scary? The Subaru Legacy takes Danny to the caves. <laughs> Danny stepped into the caves, and he saw a purple, a blue, an orange, a pink, and a green dragon. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bob and Omar went to the cave in the green car, and Bob said, I have the greatest plan. Let's go play hockey. Danny says, I know a lake where we can go play. And Bob says, this is Stanley Park. <laughs> Omar and Bob are playing on the Canucks. <laughs> Danny and the Dragons are playing on the Maple Leafs. <laughs> Bob and Omar won the game. <laughs> then they all went back to Bob's house to meet Barney and Kiwi. Barney said, hello, stegosauruses, to the dragons. And, th and they said, we're not stegosauruses, we're dragons. <laughs> Kiwi said, hello, stegosauruses. And the dragon said, we're not stegosauruses, we're dragons. <laughs> the end. I feel like I've entered an alternate dimension where Knight Rider was brought to you by Subaru. <laughs> At Grown Ups Who Things They Wrote As Kids, we hear a lot about crushes. Now, there are lots of different types of crushes, but one of the most common is the celebrity crush. When our next reader, Carrie, was 12, she kept a diary. And in it, she wrote a short paragraph about falling in love with Michael J. Fox. She's going to read that for us right now. Please welcome Carrie to our stage. So it was the summer of 1986. I was a shy 12-year-old girl, and I fell in love. Like, attraction was instantaneous. When I opened the centerfold of that Teen Beat magazine, my heart just stopped. So the attraction turned to love. The love was so strong, I had to write about it. I have fallen in love with Michael J. Fox. I don't even care that he's in California and rich. I still love him. It started when I had a dream. He was in it, and so was the other Family Ties kids, but they were just flashes. The next night I had the dream, but it was fuller, but it was so real as if it were really happening. I knew then that I had fallen in love with him. I felt like whenever I saw his face, his perfect smile and gorgeous eyes seemed to smile and wink as if we had a special secret, our secret, like life would give us a chance at love. <laughs> One precious moment together as if we knew each other all along. It's like wishing an impossible dream would come true. Now here's where I contradict myself a little bit. Usually it's better write things down in words to remember things, but I think this is nice to keep inside me. It's a special feeling being in love, and I like to keep it to myself. In these cases, I feel that when you write things down, the special feeling isn't in you anymore. It's down on paper, and it's lost its magic. 
I'm not going to tell you more because I want to keep that feeling inside me, and he's very special to me in more ways than one. (laughs) So until that fateful day when we were going to meet and express our love for each other, I decided to write down a dream that I had so I could have my happy ending. I am starting to make ideas for my own dreams. This one is on the love boat. (laughs) Huey Lewis is having a singing contest. And my group, MJFs, and three others won, but the final judging is on the boat. We fall in love, but trouble starts when I think he's falling in love with a girl from another band. We fight, but we still have to sing in the contest. In the practice room, I am trying to make a song for the final judging, and I think of MGF, and I start to cry. Huey comes in and comforts me and convinces me to think about how I feel. Then he goes to Michael and asks him how he feels about me. Before the concert, we both confront each other and say, I love you, and we kiss. In the end, we both win the contest, which was to sing a song with Huey and win $5,000. The song was The Power of Love, and it worked. Thank you. is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Our show was recorded live at the Rio Theater in Vancouver and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. And our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. Grown-ups read things they wrote as kids is supported directly by listeners like you, the kind of people who listen all the way to the end of the show. So if you like this show and you want to help us keep making it, consider becoming a patron. Just visit our website, grownups.fm, and click the link that says support the show. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.